Welcome back to the Mindful Student Podcast. In today's episode, we are thrilled to welcome mental health campaigner Ben West. At the age of just 17, Ben's world changed forever when he unexpectedly lost his younger brother, Sam, to suicide. Ben has spent the last six years channeling his pain into a drive for spreading awareness and campaigning about mental health and suicide prevention, especially in education. His amazing work has led to changes in legislation surrounding mental health, and I urge anyone listening to this to be a part of this conversation that, in our opinion, should never stop. Before I begin, I'd like to add a warning that Ben and I will be talking about suicide. So if this is triggering for you, please click off this episode and prioritise yourself. So Ben, this is actually a bit surreal for me because two years ago in 2022, I was in Malawi with my friends and I was reading your book. And it's an amazing, amazing book. It made me cry. It made me laugh. And I think that's kind of what you wanted people to take from this, you know, really honest account of what's happened to you. I've actually got the book here. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless you. That's so kind. That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> Which I have now read twice because I wanted to oh. like refresh my memory on it. When I read it, I thought, you know what? I really want to talk to Ben because I am so passionate about mental health and I, you know, that really shines through in your book. So the most powerful chapter in this book is, I would say, chapter two, when you talk about losing your brother. Would you like to just tell me a bit about what happened and then how that's led to the work that you do today? Definitely. I mean, first of all, it's it's always so weird actually seeing it out in the world. <laughs> like you you sort of sit there and I mean, I wrote it during lockdown. So I was very much like zooming with my editor and all of this and, and you sort of write it and then you press send and it goes to a publisher. And then suddenly it's like it's in people's rooms. <laughs> and It's just like this bizarre feeling. <laughs> so it's always quite surreal. Um, yeah. So so my my story starts around sort of 2017. Uh, I was 17 years old. I had a great family. I lived in Kent. It was all like, honestly, like happy families, idyllic, you know, childhood and all of that. And then in September 2017, my brother Sam was diagnosed with uh, clinical depression. And I had never in my entire life been taught anything about mental health or depression. I had no idea what that was. And anyway, I didn't I didn't speak to Sam at all. And then three months later in January 2018, um Sam took his own life uh and he was only 15 years old and that for me was as I go into in the book was just this moment where oh I mean obviously it was just an incredibly awful awful thing to experience anyone that has experience will know it's just traumatic and you know it's just the worst thing that anyone could go through um but on reflection I was just like how on earth did I not talk to him you know, what my mum had told me when she told me that Sam had been diagnosed with clinical depression um, in that September previously, she told me that Sam had been diagnosed with an illness that would eventually take his life. Um, he'd been diagnosed with a fatal illness. And I honestly reacted like he'd been, like she'd said, oh, Sam's got a bit of a cough at the moment. Um, and and for a long time, I was incredibly, I felt incredibly guilty for not knowing more and and helping him more and being a better older brother I still argued with him and and you know didn't you know was a brother to him and if I knew then what I know now I 
I do it so differently and I'd be able to talk to him. And for a long time, that guilt was awful. But I've I've sort of realized that actually because no one taught me any of this, like I, I don't deserve to feel that guilt. You know, it shouldn't be that we go through the whole of school and, and don't get taught any of this. Like it, what is school if not preparing you to have conversations about emotions and preparing you for, for the adult world where emotions are, are a really important part of it? Um, so I, I, yeah, I, then I went into campaigning and, and here I am now, six years later. Um, and I feel like I'm in too deep to get out. And, <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, we can have progress. And, and since then, I've done a lot of work, like you said, around schools, around teachers, around the NHS, but also crucially for our conversation around universities and the role they play in this mental health, um, scene. Because I think actually a lot of universities aren't doing enough and students are a vulnerable group that, that do need to be looked after, um, and, and do have to have mental health at the forefront of, of conversation. Definitely. So for anyone who is listening and maybe hasn't heard of you before or seen you online, you did go to university, didn't you? For, a little bit is that right a little bit okay <laughs> a little bit i um i went i did an aerospace engineering i i'm terrible at maths whoever <laughs> let me do that i mean i have a bone to pick with like, i i remember i got an, a u in my um my first a level maths paper and no one questioned that i was just like yeah i'm going to go and do aerospace engineering so anyway i did i did two and a half years um oh, wow. i dragged myself through two and a half years of that at the university of liverpool and then i got i started my dissertation and i just realized I have no idea how to build a plane. And my dissertation was to build a plane. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I uh, I just, I suspended my studies and through everything, I went full time in mental health campaigning, started working for some companies, wrote a book. Um, and luckily, luckily I've, I've done okay. And I'm, you know, I'm okay doing what I do and, and I can do this full time, which I love. But yeah, I, I did go to university for a bit. <laughs> well, I thought, you know, you say that this is such a this such a full time job. And I, I've heard you in another podcast saying that you're kind of stuck in it now because, you know, there's just so much there's continuous work to do about mental health. Yeah. And I do believe that we are getting better. I'm just wondering in your sort of two and a half years at university, did you notice anything about mental health? What was your experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, personally, my experience at university was one of, I think once you're in this space and once you talk about mental health and once you sort of know what you're talking about and looking for, you, you just see it everywhere. Um, and, and in terms of social and mental health issues in students, I mean, it's just everywhere. Um, but for me personally, I went to university. I started university, what, seven eight months after sam died so pretty pretty fresh into uh a, quite a traumatic part of my life and you know i i joined and to be fair to the university i felt like they understood it when i joined but within a year i started to realize that they they really didn't want to have anything to do with that side of my life you know they were there if i had a question about my course but if i wanted to talk to them about Oh, really not not doing so well um really struggling with flashbacks and you know post-traumatic stress and all that. they were sort of a little bit like that's not really our job and it that sort of it sort of bubbled out bubbled away and, and sort of boiled over when I went into second year and I applied for extenuating circumstances in January for January exams because every year I had an exam that that fell on the 21st of January, which is the day Sam died. Um, and obviously for me, an incredibly triggering day. It brings back a lot of, I, I can't sleep. I can't do anything that day. 
And the response from the university was basically like, um, the only way we can give you extenuating circumstances for this is by if you register and succeed in um, registering as disabled. So the only way they were going to give me extenuating circumstances on the day that my brother died was for me to register and become a disabled student. And it just struck me then that the policies and procedures within university are so inhuman in the way they deal with students. And for me, that was really like an eye-opener, really, in terms of the the problems that occur when universities, I don't think, understand fully their responsibility and, and what they should be doing. What the conversation that should have happened then was, of course, I mean, you're not going to be able to do well in that exam. Like, let's face it, I'm not going to be able to do it on another day, but extenuating circumstances in those conditions should absolutely be given. You don't have to be disabled to have a bad day um, in your calendar where you're going to struggle so anyway, that was that was my experience of mental health at university. And, you know, because I was talking about mental health while I was there and starting all of my campaigning work, I ended up meeting a lot of people um, while I was at university that had lost friends um, and, and things like that. And it just struck me the sort of enormity of the problem that we have with students um, and, and their mental health. It's just overwhelming. Um, and obviously... I left university, so my final year of university was during COVID lockdown. And at that point, I was I was quite a developed voice in the mental health space. And I just, I was getting messages and messages and messages through that when we were being locked down from people that were suicidal, um, that were, we couldn't, had nothing else that they wanted to, like, they were just, that was it. They were, they needed to reach out because they were at the end of it. I had you know, brothers and sisters and parents and friends contact me because their their friend had died. Um, I had people contact me because they just you know found their friend that was that was trying to take their own life and they didn't know what to do. It was honestly just this constant battering of messages from people that were at the very very worst worst end of of stuff suffering. And and so yeah, I got a glimpse into that into that mess um and and for me it was just oh, it was just like firefight honestly it felt like i was firefighting these individual cases just kept popping up and and obviously i'm not i'm not a clinician i'm not a professional and so I, so i don't offer any clinical support but in those moments it's very difficult to to not you know, come back with you know you've got to phone an ambulance uh, and go back to the basics which as it turns out the university um refused to do for them in this particular case um so yeah i was i was sort of exposed to the worst part of all of this conversation during lockdown and and i have no doubt that that's what probably as well what fed into me leaving um that was a stressful 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 time and quite a triggering time oh absolutely and i think the sad thing is when i'm listening to you talk about this is that and i'm not diminishing at all what you're saying but you're not the only one that's going through that as well like you're mm. you're one of many students their extenuating circumstances are being rejected or they're not mentally ill enough to have yeah. an extenuating circumstance and actually before this episode we were talking about how january is such a weird month and i've just gone through two weeks of exams it was such a stressful time of my life and i actually hadn't felt that much stress before i'm not I'm not being dramatic like it generally was horrible and mm. I dealt with it and felt very lucky that I could deal with it but I just do think that the university I mean they have a lot of resources I know that my university does but I'm not sure if that is the case for every uni and 
I don't know what the majority of students of how they're how they're feeling really. Yeah, so I mean, look, it, this is the, the sort of the problem when when it's come to campaigning for for university mental health provision is there is no way I can sit here now and tell you which university is doing well and which isn't. Um, there is no standard. Some are doing well, some are doing badly. Some have this, some have that, and it just feels like this lottery of when you're filling out your UCAS application and going and visiting unis and joining in September you've got absolutely no idea if your university is good or bad at this um, and what I think needs to happen and um, and part of my campaigning work here was we went to parliament with um, about 30 the bereaved families um, that have lost students at university um, and we went to parliament and we were like actually this there needs to be a law um, written in that actually creates a standard for the whole sector that says this is the standard that you have to meet um, and so we don't have this case of oh this university is doing this badly this one's doing it well oh but they're also doing this badly and and actually we need to create that line in the sand that goes everyone needs to meet this standard and anyone falling below that needs to be put into special provisions needs to have better scrutiny uh, needs to potentially be fined um, and also it gives families that I've worked with the ability to to pursue justice you know I've read a lot of the evidence that these families that I worked with um, had and their their children died um and the university in these cases were so negligent um they they completely ignored um massive warning signs and by warning signs i'm not talking about nuanced little symptoms that they didn't pick up on i'm talking about you know some of these students emailed the university the night before they were going to take their own life saying they were going to die tomorrow and the university didn't respond um but saw it um and so for me like that's just hugely negligent and, and unfortunately at the moment in the uk the law uh, a, a law around negligence um between a university and its students doesn't exist there's no duty of care um, and so we worked hard and are still working hard on creating that law um, to basically give that standard for the whole industry. Um, and it's not to say that universities aren't putting money into this and don't there aren't services. But the problem is it's so patchy. Um, and when something goes wrong, they don't learn lessons. Um, and so a new law would, would allow us to actually strip it apart, look at what's going on. And, and if you're not meeting that standard, then we can try and help improve it. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a roller coaster and it's been exhausting. But I just think it makes sense because you speak to so many students and it's just I like potluck whether your university is good or not. And it doesn't that doesn't seem fair. As a student myself, I'm so grateful for everything that you're doing. And we need these voices to actually tackle like the bigger picture. And actually talking about the bigger picture, I'm going to take it back to the more individual levels so as a student. And obviously our mission would be to prevent suicide and suicidal thoughts and that would be our priority but if a student is feeling suicidal or having these feelings what would you what would you say to them what kind of advice would you give to a student that having those feelings yeah absolutely it's a it's a, it's a great question and it's important that we talk about this so i think firstly we say we talk a lot about mental health support at university. We talk a lot about mental health support in general in the NHS. Um, the number one thing I'd say to people is is reach out early. Don't wait for things to get bad. Reach out. There are waiting lists. Unfortunately, everywhere we go, there are waiting lists. So, so really, the approach that we should all have now is if there's something brewing, just reach out. If there's a little concern you have for yourself and your own well-being, or maybe a friend, just get that in early. Um, there are some 
really 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 lovely people that work in the mental these mental health um services there are there are obviously issues that go alongside these things as well but generally the earlier you can get involved and the earlier you can get in the queue the better the better the outcome um can be um and then i'd say not just to people that are having these thoughts but to everyone um is have a plan like we talk in in the mental health world and especially around suicide we talk about a safety plan right so when you have someone that's suicidal generally you will work with them and come up with a bit of a safety plan um and that they can access i don't think that should be reserved for people that are struggling i think every single student actually everyone in the world should have a safety plan um and and that's just basically if you take five ten minutes just to sit down and think and jot down in a notes app like what how do you know when you're not well and not happy what are your signs that you're stressed and struggling what do you do that actually brings you relief like what are some things that that are actually healthy that you really enjoy maybe it's going for a run maybe it's going to the gym maybe it's going for a walk uh, maybe it's whacking on a playlist and dancing and cooking a meal like whatever it is or painting or music or watching a film come up with a few things like that um and then and then every occasionally just follow that first question and just check in with yourself how close to that moment are you how close to that point of stress and struggle are you um and do you need to do one of those things and and all it takes is for someone to actually sit down and think i've been i've been so surprised in the past by how few people actually know what makes them happy and what gives them relief so i'd say that completely go and work out what makes you stressed Uh, sorry how do you know you're stressed because it's once you can identify it's great and then how do you relieve yourself um in a healthy way um not don't scroll on tiktok for (laughs) three hours uh, because try and you know what's what's something healthy you can do paint walk run gym you know dance around the kitchen whatever it is um put it down write it down so you know what it is i wrote down two things so the first one about reaching out early there's this huge stigma about the word suicide and I've done some mental health helpline work myself and there's this thing where you should ask someone directly about feeling suicidal for example and I think people do shy away from this word and actually we need to get rid of this stigma about suicide because it's real it's happening yeah I think that's what came to me when you were saying about reaching out early it's like you can support your friends and you can support other students if we're just creating this like honest space at university when you said about having a plan I love that like an action plan for your own mental health but it's importantly it's not just about what's making you stressed it's about okay no what makes me feel good I think that's something that we really like on this podcast we say like small steps in self-development is about taking just like that little step forward that makes you feel a bit better in yourself. And I think Mm. that was great in your second point. I have one more tip and there's sort of three tips just to combine. The first is don't work too hard. (laughs) And I know that comes from a university dropout. So take, take that with a pinch of salt maybe, but, (laughs) (laughs) but just don't work too hard. I remember so many people at university and I did it like working all night, not sleeping, Red Bulls, you know, working all day, exhausting yourself mentally, physically from from working. Like, I work with a lot of companies now, a lot of very professional companies, Allen Overy and Pfizer, and no one 
absolutely no one in that industry expects anyone to work all night or pull all nighters or fool themselves on on red bull at least not the people i work with i'm sure there are people in those companies that that do but people i work with don't um it's so important that we get that balance right in universities this weird system where it's so normalized to overwork um you can have a boundary with work and then so sort of leading into that it's just get some sleep so don't work too hard sleep more right uh, and because it i've been there right i'd loved a night out when i was in liverpool but you just get drawn into that culture of putting sleep as like a oh i haven't had any sleep or i'm pulling an all-nighter and all this like it's so i mean it's so so important for your physical health if you don't sleep you're going to get ill you're going to get depressed you're going to get all of these things are going to get so much worse we know that the data's there it's absolutely screamingly obvious that if you don't sleep you're going to become ill um so you're actually tracking that and understanding you know how much you're sleeping and 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 all of that is really important and then again just draw into the same similar vein of thinking have fun um we've we don't we've almost like sometimes we talk about university and students and life generally as like we and the way we talk about it sort of sucks the fun out of it if you don't have fun you're going to be stressed and you're not going to be very happy like make sure fun is something you do every day that is non-negotiable and no matter what and it sort of comes back to my point earlier no matter what fun means to you just go and have fun and that means going out with friends and everyone especially in the mental health world people talk about nights out and it's sort of a bad thing and obviously drinking culture has its own sort of issues that we can talk about but if you enjoy it you've got to build that in like we can't talk about this in this sort of funless space have fun um join societies go out there and if it's not if you're not sociable if you don't like interacting with people um try and find fun your own way whether that's you know online gaming or whatever but build fun into your non-negotiables every day like i'm just such an advocate for it um i think we get to adults and everyone's just like oh leave the kids to play i want to play i want to go outside and run around like it's it's so important because if we don't have fun everything's stressful and every there's no point and it's all you get into that spiral of ruminating and and you get really overwhelmed and 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 rightly so because you're not expelling out of that energy so yeah sleep don't work too hard and have fun (laughs) and that's coming from a uni dropout so you can trust me no i'm joking (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I can vouch for all of those. Um, I think that just wraps up so nicely. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Student Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Emma. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Ben West. Wishing you health and happiness in your small step in self-development this week.